Eric, I can't stop hyperfixating on chef knives. Please help me. On chef's knives? I. What are you? What are you looking at? I. I want to get like because I just realized I'm an adult and you are all of the knives that I own, except for the one that I bought at IKEA for seven dollars, are like I either got them in a box at an auction or like a dollar or I got them at the Goodwill, and so I have decided that I want to buy fancy chef knives but it's like overwhelming and i'm also like one of those people who's like i have to buy the exact right perfect (laughs) best of the best of the best of the best one and there are a shocking number of chef knives and types and kind i'm becoming like a weird like i know a lot about chef knives now that's cool i so uh, for one i got some recommendations i would get i think a wustoff i would that's what i was looking at i was looking at a wustoff or a shun I would get a Wustav. So like gonna, the eight inch icon. That's what I was looking yo, at. Yeah, yeah, an eight inch. I would get it. Yeah, I, I was going to get, get an, an eight, eight inch. inch and a ten inch. Also, Bailey, can you choose this moment to be really loud? Thank you. I think you'd like an eight inch and a six inch better. Do ten inches I, are better for just if you're doing like really long cuts, like if you're yeah. butchering like something or yeah. slicing portions but of fish. I, we watched the chef's table, and oh, I'm going <laughs> to culinary school. Yeah, I'll get a Wustoff. They've got really like cool that's, ergonomic handles, so they feel kind of fancy, but they're still they're like upper range mid tier because if yeah. you get like a really nice knife those are really hard to maintain they're only yeah. really nice if you maintain them super yeah. well well that was the way i like the shoon because you pay a little bit more but you can just send it to them whenever you want and oh, they'll just cool. like fix your shit for you or like sharpen it or whatever that's and pretty cool apparently they have like legendary customer service also check out um uh Dauvois, d-a uh d-a d-a-o-v-u-a i found one that I desperately want, but it is illogically expensive. Like it's irresponsibly <laughs> expensive. But the but the 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 block, it's not like a knife block. It's like you set the knives like against it. And so it's like I could always see where they are. I would always oh, have them cool. like visual. And you know exactly which like is which and... literally one of the most expensive knife sets that you can buy. Yeah, I would get should we move Bailey? No, I would you know what? No, it's dog mouthy <laughs> Well even dog. I would get check, seriously check out Dalvoa. It's this okay. Korean company they um they salvage leaf springs from cars which are made of high carbon steel it's uh-huh. like a part of a car that's always has to be high carbon yeah, steel yeah they always use that on the on the fucking forged in fire yeah exactly and so they salvage that and then they forge like them recycling. into knives it's like this small company in korea and they're really nice high carbon steel knives but they're not very expensive because they salvage the parts and they make the handles out of like local wood and stuff like that so it's like a knife that's like a really good knife but it's not very expensive because they salvage the parts and it's got a really cool story and there's videos of them like making it and it's literally just like a bunch of like barefoot dudes with like a wood forge thing it's just like the most old school school cool shit ever anyways it's really it's a knife you can really be proud of so i mean i was like why couldn't i have gone with mostly knives since then maybe people would send me knives Yes, I alone. It's me. Hey, good. I forgot that we were doing a podcast. I just started talking about chest knives, and I got excited. Uh, Eric, I read a cool thing. What'd you read? I read so okay. This is actually really interesting. So, uh, hold on. I gotta turn towards my computer and also move my microphone so people can hear me because you keep yelling at me about sound. Um, I'm sorry. So the United Kingdom Adult ADHD. Network, which you can abbreviate as you can, which I enjoy. Um, the UKAAN um, published like three days ago 
a uh, consensus statement. Oh, we love those. I know. We love an ADHD consensus statement. But this one, Eric, is particularly interesting. And so I would like to pitch to you a science, a science, not even a science episode, but just like a very generative article episode. Yeah, sure. Is that okay? Absolutely. Please. Okay, so they put, they, the title of it is University Students with Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, a Consensus Statement from the UK Adult ADHD Network. So basically, the article is about the experience of university students living with ADHD, specifically in the UK. Mm-hmm. And they break it down further where they look at like like England and Ireland like separately. And there's like a cool pie chart. And so it's really interesting. But there's like this one really, really, really interesting part. And it's kind of long, but I feel like I really want to read you the whole thing. Is that OK? Yeah, please. Because it's important to the story. OK, I'm going to move my microphone again. <laughs> This is really good podcasting. (laughs) Okay. ADHD and intellectual giftedness. Mm. I know. Okay, ready? The relevance of intellectual giftedness to university students with ADHD was considered by the expert group. The expert group is like the people doing the study. Intellectual giftedness is another contested concept variously defined as exceptional intellectual ability, academic talent, or high potential learners with concurrent traits of creativity, curiosity, effort, and self-motivation. Intellectual giftedness is referenced in the Canadian ADHD practice guidelines, and this is interesting, but not in the DSM-5 or ICD-11 or other clinical guidelines. Huh. Research suggests that intellectual giftedness can either overshadow or compensate for attention difficulties or the behaviors associated with ADHD can overshadow traits of intellectual giftedness and that students with both ADHD and intellectual giftedness can be difficult to identify or assess using standardized measures and observational checklists. It continues. The coexistence of ADHD in intellectually gifted individuals, including university students, is controversial, which I thought was interesting. The theories of positive uh, disintegration and asynchronous development development, oh my God, have both been used to understand various aspects of intellectual giftedness in students with ADHD. Important areas of current research include the potential misdiagnosis of intellectual giftedness as ADHD. And the uh, occurrence of ADHD and intellectual giftedness as a dual diagnosis. You can get diagnosed with intellectual giftedness. Oh, well, wait, hold on. They go on. I told you this is like four paragraphs. I'm, it's no, just, please, it's, please, please. I really just want to read the whole thing. Intellectual giftedness in students with ADHD is thought to be under identified by parents, educators, psychologists and physicians. Brown et al. Our boy Brown. Uh, instance, oh, uh, Thomas E. Brown? Yep. Nice. Reported that adults with IQ scores in and above superior range have often sought evaluation and treatment for chronic difficulties with organizing their work, excessive procrastination, inconsistent effort, excessive forgetfulness, and a lack of ad- adequate focus for school and or uh, employment. They question whether they might have an attention deficit disorder, but often they have been told by educators and clinicians that their superior intelligence precludes them having ADHD. Basically, you're that too sounds smart way to too fucking familiar. ADHD. Too okay. smart to have ADHD. But wait, there's more. Intellectual giftedness does not preclude having ADHD, which I love that they just like they're like big and bold. Is that the, is that the thesis statement of that of that paragraph? It's, yeah, it's nice. just like that's how they open <laughs> 
And in some university students with ADHD, it could mitigate some deficits in executive function and allow them to flourish academically or go on and have successful careers. Some authors propose that a degree of autism could foster a special talent in gifted individuals, including individuals with ADHD. Other authors warn that intellectual giftedness may only be a protective factor for students with ADHD, wait for it, during their pre-18 school years. This may change when they transition into higher education where self-directed learning becomes an essential academic skill and when challenges such as living away from a structured home environment or needing to be more organized can precipitate a worsening of ADHD symptoms and significant levels of impairment start to emerge. These issues, fuck this study, these issues may become more apparent in postgraduate students who are selected based on their undergraduate academic achievements. Uh, Empirical studies between 2000 and 2014 about the identification, misdiagnosis, and dual diagnosis of intellectual giftedness and ADHD were reviewed by Mullet and Rin, blah, blah, blah. Um, But from this review, traits of intellectual giftedness versus ADHD have been compiled for the purposes of clarity. These are listed in table three below. Shall I read you? Please. Table three. Please. Paint us a word picture. Hold on. I have to click on it. Okay. Indicators of ADHD. Boredom, daydreaming, and attentional difficulties in multiple domains. Indicators of intellectual giftedness. (coughs) Boredom, daydreaming, and attentional difficulties in (laughs) unchallenging learning environments. Okay, so for the there's like six of these. I'm gonna do the ADHD one first and then the the um intellectual giftedness after. Okay. Okay, okay, So it's just ADHD, then gifted. Six and six. ADHD. Low tolerance for tasks or activities that seem irrelevant. Giftedness. Low tolerance for tasks or activities that seem irrelevant. ADHD. Extended periods of time spent on topics of self-interest. Giftedness. Extended periods of time spent on topics of uh, self-interest. ADHD. Discrepancies between intellectual, physical, emotional, and social development. Intellectual giftedness. Discrepancies between intellectual, physical, emotional, and social development. Uh, ADHD. Emotional intensity may lead to power struggles with authorities. Giftedness is the same. I'm not. They're all nearly identical. Uh, This one is different. uh, ADHD. Poor impulse control may cause difficulties adhering to rules, regulations, customs, and traditions. Uh, Intellectual giftedness. Questions or challenging rules, regulations, customs, or traditions uh uh adhd high activity levels that is random rather than goal directed restlessness problems with sleep giftedness high activity levels that is focused and directed restlessness may need less sleep adhd tendency to guess incorrect answers when responds impulsively to questions uh intellectual giftedness tendency to answer correctly when responding impulsively to questions (laughs) and lastly uh, ADHD difficulties regulating or inhibiting uh, behavior in social contexts, prone to social problems and struggles in social relationships. Giftedness, prone to social problems and struggles in social relationships. Wow. Jesus. Well, I realize I just read to you for a really long time, but. No, that's really. Well, I mean, for, for one, I, I won't point out if you have ADHD, that doesn't mean you're super smart. And if you're super smart, that doesn't mean you have ADHD. They're separate things, even though. It's, well, just, yeah, like that's, that's what the study is saying. Right. Is that. A lot of times, like, because, like, giftedness is something that, like, and, and you know, and then we get into the questions of, like, what is gifted? Right. How are you gifted? Whatever. It's obviously super nebulous, um, weird. 
But there are some discussion. unifying things in terms of like academic, in some ways, academic success, but also like they talked about like creativity, problem solving, like creative thinking, adaptability, self-motivation, that kind of stuff, which kind of falls into this like, you know, gifted kid pile yeah. of, of stuff. But like, so what they're talking about is you have to look at whether a kid is, you know, intellectually gifted, academically gifted, whatever term you want to ascribe to it. Because that can dramatically inform how their ADHD shows up, but also simply being intellectually gifted for some kids can mimic the symptoms of ADHD and can lead to either a misdiagnosis or a misdiagnosis. Oh, yeah. I shouldn't say missed and misdiagnosis in the same <laughs> so sentence because it's super. <laughs> but is that fucking fascinating? That is. I mean, well, for, for one, those, those, those lists that you just read off. Those both sound to me like me. symptoms. <laughs> yes, they you sound like I mean, you, though? and probably a lot of you listening. But th those those sound to me like um, symptoms of chronic boredom, basically. Yeah. Like if you are chronically bored, then those symptoms arise. Now, I guess the question is: Are you chronically bored because this is you know you're just super smart and all this is just easy for you, or are you chronically bored no matter what's happening because you have ADHD, yes. <laughs> save for a, a couple circumstances? Well. Um, yeah. But this is also one of those, I mean, just based I on... I have big... I'm sorry, I keep talking over you. No, please, please, please. I have big feelings about this. Please, go for it. Go for it. No, you go. You go first. Well, I was going to kind of embark on... Because this is one of those things where very often it seems like there are sort of two sides of ADHD experience, you know, two kinds of ADHD experiences over time. And I think you and I very frequently fall on the different, you know, opposite sides of that river. Like, for, for, for me, I basically thought I was dirt stupid for like a large portion of my life until eventually in, in class, I realized like, wait a minute, I'm acing all these tests. Like it's not, I'm not bad at learning and knowing stuff. I'm bad at some other set of things that I'd like to know. And that's when I started my ADHD diagnosis journey when I was around 15, because my, I mean, I don't want to say that I was gifted, but like people told me I was gifted yeah. <laughs> after a certain point. Um, and it, it definitely seems like, the fact that I thought, you know, I think I'm pretty smart. All of that was definitely, um, uh, what, what's the word detracted. That was all diminished yeah. because of my ADHD where I think you, you always exceeded very well in school because you're such a smart cookie, but that shielded <laughs> your ADHD diagnosis. So for, so for, for me, the fact that I wasn't doing well is what illuminated my ADHD to me or what I eventually learned to be my ADHD. Whereas for you, the fact that you were able to to, you know, force white knuckle your way through it sort of hid your ADHD from you, which led to a later diagnosis. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but no. it seems like that's kind of. I mean, well, the thing that I think is like the, the reason why I'm so fascinated by this is because basically like that's just like the first part of it. But basically they introduce this idea of giftedness and then they basically go on to say like the whole the article is about how do we deal with university students? Right. And mm -hmm. basically like what the study is arguing is like. It has to be an individual basis. There is no one right way to have ADHD. There is no one right way to, you know, treat ADHD. And there is no one unifying ADHD experience, which I think is really important. Like, mm -hmm. that's really important to contextualize. Um, but the thing that I think I was the most sort of shooketh about was the fact, like, exactly what you just said. I got told over and over and over that. I couldn't possibly have ADHD because I was doing so great in school and it wasn't ADHD. I was just bored. 
And so this idea of boredom became very like central in my life. And this is a, this is a very embarrassing story, but I will tell it to you. Please. So when I was in grad school, which by the way, this is not something you should ever do in grad school. If you are, if you are in grad school and you're experiencing this, please don't do what I did uh, because it's humiliating. And I would like to formally apologize to Dr. Paul Menzer for the time that I did this. I assume you listen to my podcast. What's up? What's up? What's up, Dr. Menzer? Uh, Okay. So anyway, so one time my first year of grad school, I'd never done grad school before and I didn't really know what it was like, you know, like I'm learning, I'm learning about the environment or whatever. But a big part of grad school is like you, you have to be self-motivated, like you have to be doing the research and figuring it out and like doing, you know, 95% of the work on your own. Nobody told me that. And I had been very used to even like in college, just breezing, just like breezing through because it's like I would get the syllabus on the first day. And for a lot of college classes, I would just do all of the work in the first week. Yeah, they'd be like, learn this stuff and you're fine. Yeah. And I'd be like, great, cool. Checklist done. But grad school, there isn't a checklist because like the goal is that you're like honing and focusing and narrowing and whatever. So like you're supposed to do the work. So I went to the head of the program's office and I was like, I'm bored. He was like, what? And I was like, I'm bored. I'm so bored. This is in your post-grad. This is post. This is, this is my first master's degree. Uh-huh. I went to his office and I was like, I'm bored. I need more. To, <laughs> I need more to do. These classes aren't challenging. Like I'm, I'm very bored. Uh, what do I do? And he was like, and he was very nice. We had a lovely, like 45 minute meeting of him just being lovely and supportive and like nodding and like, you know, like reassuring. But basically it was like, have you considered doing more work? <laughs> like, <laughs> like just go read a book, dumbass, basically, but in the nicest way possible. But like, but even then, like I realize now, like looking back, that was my ADHD. That was an actual boredom. That was me being listless. That was me not having a direction. That was me needing to find focus. But because I had been told over and over and over that because things were inherently easy for me, that it wasn't anything having to do with ADHD. It was just boredom from being not like stimulated enough intellectually. That sounded so fucking pretentious. I'm sorry. But like, but that's what I got told. So like, that's what I learned. Like, that was the terminology. But what I was actually doing was I was going to, you know, the, the head of the program's office and being like, I have ADHD and I need help. But I didn't know that that's what I was asking. You know what I huh, mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting because you were up until that point, you had always had like a breadcrumb thing laid out in front of you or like somebody gave you a puzzle that you could then like dial in on. But at that point, it's like you got to find your own puzzles. You got to yeah. find your own whatever. Yeah. And you didn't know that that was the case. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so like and so like, I was just like wandering around like, like you know, because I because the thing was, is like you get the syllabus for the classes. And so I was still doing the same thing, but it was graduate work. Like it's all supposed to be like just to get everybody on the same page. And then you, you know, and then you go forth from there. But nobody told me there was like the go forth component. So I was just like done with all the reading. And I was like, well, what do I do now? And they were like, read more. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, what happened after that meeting? Like after that point, now that you knew that, was it like the golden ticket? Now that you knew that all of a sudden you're like, oh. I just got to find my own shit. I mean, or was it still a process after that? I mean, honestly, I'm not proud of how I handle it. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to lie because 
my response was because at, at that point, my systems were also like because of the stress of grad school, because grad school is a lot more work than, you know, college. Like a lot of my systems were devolving. And so one of the things that I ran into was I just overextended my time. I got involved in everything. So I was like costume designing and I did all the photography for the department for like all three years that I was there. So I was like photographing every show. I was doing headshots for the program. I was like, you know, working in the in the costume shop. Like I was directing, I was, I was in more directing scenes than anybody else had ever been in, in the program. Like I was just constantly overextending myself because it was just giving me stuff to do, but I still wasn't necessarily scratching the itch because all of it was, and I know how pretentious this sounds, but it was all not difficult. It was time. It wasn't like intellectual effort, Mm -hmm. you know, what are you buffing? Bailey. This is well. I just also want to point out that this is the very first episode we've recorded with Bailey in the room, and she's being so she's good. She's being good. She's learning. But but yeah. So like so that's what I did. But then that led to a massive cycle of burnout. That led to like I was exhausted and stressed, and it was like really really difficult. Um, and so like looking back, I wish I had actually taken the advice and said, okay, this is the time to learn. This is the time to learn more. Rather than saying, well, I know everything. I don't have to learn. I'm just going to go design costumes or whatever. Well, I mean, in, in your defense or to your credit, I suppose, like, I think you did take the advice. I don't think taking advice is like something that just like happens. I think taking advice is often a process. And I think you started that process of taking that advice. Well, for, frankly, figuring out what that advice actually was. I think you started that process. Yeah. Clearly very well. Yeah. Or at least seemingly very well. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But okay, so I just talked about myself for forever, but I want to I want to hear about you because I think like you're right, like you're the exact opposite side of the spectrum where you're like I went, you know, the 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 being good at school overshadowed the ADHD, but you were the opposite. Yeah. So like what was that experience like? Well, so f- I guess for some context, so growing up, I grew up in Connecticut. There was this program um in my school district, my school system um called Academically Talented. Um and I I really feel like it's important to to clarify straight up that intellectual giftedness as a concept is just the most loosely defined. Like, I don't think there's one way to be intellectually gifted. So I like, I struggle with it. I struggle with a lot. Cause too. Like, like I'm terrible at math, but I can fucking sew you anything. I can build you anything. Right. Exactly. You know? Like, so, but however, that concept is one that's thrown around a lot. So I think it's necessary to, to, to address that concept, even though I think it's a, in a perfect world, we wouldn't have a we wouldn't even have a term for intellectual giftedness. Everybody would just be what they are. But here we are. So anyways, there was this program called Academically Talented that you were tested for in fifth grade. My brother's two years older than two and a half years older than me. He got into it um, from a very young age. I was very aware of who was in this program yeah. because during a certain part of every class day, certain kids would be taken out of class to go to some, you know, to fucking Narnia or whatever to go do academically talented stuff and i always figured i would get in because i was like i'm a smart guy like i was a kid at the time and i was already crafting like a motherfucker like i had a whole you know i I just figured i was i must be smart um so i got tested uh in fifth grade for this or got evaluated or whatever you want to call it um and i didn't get in uh and that was one of it took me years to to like to realize this um because i had sort of blocked it out but i think that was one of the more traumatic experiences or the most impactful traumatic experiences that I had ever been through in my life. Um, like I can still feel myself like 
dealing with the repercussions of that day in fifth grade now. Um, so anyways, that day happened. I like refused to leave my room for like a while. I like I literally wouldn't go to school, like short of grabbing me and forcing me under the bus. I wouldn't go to school, which I think they eventually my parents eventually did <laughs> not like violently, but like, you know, your yeah. kid has to go to school. Um, but uh, and so from then, so that was about 10 to about 14. I just figured the results are in. I am dirt fucking stupid. Like I am dirt fucking stupid. Um, and that, uh, those were dark times. <laughs> that was that was sixth, seventh um, and into eighth grade. And then midway through eighth grade, um, I had this teacher in Mr. Gendro. What's up, Anthony Gendro? How's it going? You're great. Um, he was a science teacher. And in that class, I started realizing that a lot of things that were seemingly very hard for other kids we're not very hard for me. Um, like he would just sort of go up and say some stuff and I'd be like, okay. And then I would keep doodling or whatever. And I would just ace all the tests, never do my homework. Um, but that was the first time when I realized like, wait a minute, <laughs> you yeah. know, like I might, I'm not a great student. Like that's just true, but I'm not dumb. You know, like yeah. I was bad at other things. Don't get me wrong. But like, at least in certain areas, I seem to be at a higher percentile. Like I'm pretty good at this. Um, and that's when I realized there was something else going on. And that's when I started my sort of journey of eventually getting diagnosed with ADHD. It still took two ish years after that to eventually get diagnosed. Um, but either way, where for you, I think your ADHD was hidden by your, your academic aptitude. Mine was eventually highlighted when I realized that, you know, yeah. actually, wait a minute, I, I'm, I'm pretty smart. And it took me until that moment when I realized that, you know, it was it was easier to explain what I now realize were the symptoms of my ADHD if I just assumed I was stupid. You know, the reason I don't do my homework is because I'm stupid. The reason I have trouble paying attention to the lecture is because I'm stupid. It was just a simpler explanation. Um, plus, I didn't get into this fucking program. So, like, on paper, I'm stupid. Um, but. Uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. Excuse me. Um, excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Oh my gosh. Oh, um, so once I got diagnosed with ADHD, that, that was a big revelatory moment for me because I realized both of these things can be true. I can be gifted in certain areas and still suck on paper at them, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. still not do any of my homework and ace the tests and all that stuff. And when I started realizing like, wait a minute, like, you know, I'm gifted in areas just like everyone else. Um, I started focusing not more in school i was always a garbage fucking student but i knew if i paid attention loosely in class i could ace the test and just not do any of the homework and then eventually teachers like would pull me out after class and i this i this is arrogant but this is just for the sake of the story i was in uh my junior year in high school math class and it was coming to the end of the semester um uh my teacher was named, a woman named Miss Kamishki who literally wrote the textbook that we were studying out of. <laughs> she was an amazing teacher. Um, she held me after class during the last like two weeks of school. And she said, Eric, frankly, you're one of the most gifted students in this class, comma. You're one of the most gifted mathematicians in this class. She called me a mathematician. At the time, I, was, I thought it was going to be a mathematician. Um, and she said, if you can do all of the homework that you've missed by Friday, I'll give you like 70% credit on it. And so I did. Um, and that's what I did with every class, basically, because <laughs> uh, the teachers would see something in me. So they would let me do that. Um, but I spent all that time that I wasn't doing homework trying to stimulate myself in other areas. And that's when I started making miniatures a lot. 
um, that's when I started um, experimenting with materials and I sort of became a builder of things, I suppose. Um, but either way, I, I definitely think my assumption that I was not, well, that I was dumb um, masked my ADHD for quite a while because um, it was just an easier explanation, um, I, I suppose. Yeah. Whereas, in fact, it was intellectual giftedness masked with rampant, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> brutal ADHD. Um, but ultimately, that was the that was the saving grace of it. Yeah. Because, you know, it's hard to recognize a disease if there are no symptoms. And lucky for me, my symptoms were very prevalent and was like, wait a minute, I'm actually pretty smart. Why is all this so hard for me? Um, whereas for you, your symptoms were much more subtle because you were good at school. So you well, got the whole bullshit. You're too smart to have ADHD. Where as with me, they were like, wait, you're smart and you suck at school. You must have ADHD, which as much as that hurt at the time, yeah. I'm grateful for because at least it got recognized reasonably early and I could know that about myself. I mean. One of one of the hardest things I think about like my my oh I'm gonna talk for longer than three minutes. Okay, you. that's fine. I mean, the problem is, is I never get to talk about this. Like, I I never get to address this the very specific frustration of everything being easy. Because it makes me sound like an asshole. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, my God, my life is so hard. School was easy and I was bored, you know. But like one of the worst things for me as somebody with ADHD is that feeling of boredom. And so for me, like. Like our experiences are very different, but like. In a lot of ways, like I, I absolutely relate to your experience because I, I just kept feeling like I was doing something wrong. I just kept mm. feeling like there was something inherently wrong with me because I kept get, you know, because I would get straight A's and it would be easy and I wouldn't have to try and I would be bored all the time. But then I would get in trouble for being bored or I would get in trouble for not paying attention or I would get in trouble for doodling. And so, like, I, I think like that's, you know, like I know that. We're not saying imposter syndrome anymore, but like that was where my sense of like feeling inadequate and feeling like there was something like sort of intrinsically wrong with me because I was like, why is it easy? Why is it so easy? Like, what is it like to be challenged? And so the places where I found challenge were like Shakespeare, like Shakespeare was the first time that I really like had to try really hard where I had to work, where I had to like invest time and energy and like emotional expenditure into it and and that was one of the, I think that's one of the reasons why I still love it but it it I get so like that's the reason why I love this study so much the reason why like bringing it back around to the point that that we were making with this episode is that I love that they address that they address the idea that like if like Every kid with ADHD is different. Every person with ADHD is different. And those students are going to come from different backgrounds. They're coming to university from different backgrounds. And so, like, if Eric comes to university and Eric comes to university, you know, not having been in the gifted program, but is exceptionally gifted in different ways, you can apply that and you can use that to support him and, you know, support his ADHD and provide him adequate support. So, like, for you, 
you might need extra time to like do the reading but like also let's enroll you in you know like the metal working class because it will <laughs> give you you know the the brain scratchies whereas you know if kate enrolls in university like okay we need to make sure that like she's getting enough reading like she's getting the structure that she needs to succeed and so i think like one of the most important things in this conversation is going back to what you said, like there's no one right way to be gifted. There's no one right way to have ADHD. Like you are one of the most incredible crafters and incredible builders and intelligent people that I have ever had the pleasure to meet. But like, I'll write the essay, you know, <laughs> like, and that's fine. You know, like that's where my strengths lie. That's where your strengths lie. And so like this idea that like giftedness has to look a certain way that ADHD has to look a certain way and that, you know, there's shame or guilt or embarrassment wrapped up in the experience of either feeling like, you know, you aren't intelligent or feeling like there's like shame or guilt in in that feeling of boredom. I think it all fundamentally comes down to what the study is trying to say, which is the consensus is that there's no consensus. You have to work with each student. And that is how you wind up with a fulfilled and healthy and like emotionally supported person who is working with their ADHD and not against it. Mic drop. Yeah, I have no, I have no, that's, yep. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to water that down by saying stuff after it, except for this, apparently. (laughs) Okay. Well, we do have to do a Patreon song. We do. Yes. Because we're caught up now. We are caught up on the Patreon song. Let's do a Patreon song. Yeah. Do you want to start recording? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. We'll be right back after this musical break. (laughs) We're going to get a new song someday, and it's going to ruin my life. Okay, Eric, you ready? Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, Hey, that's it for this episode of Infinite Quest hope it made sense i don't feel like i made very much sense at all but it's fine um uh, also we have a patreon it's patreon.com slash infinite quest <laughs> sorry i saw the look in your eyes when you were like you're about to pass it to me and i just didn't say anything you did i, was like, I just i panicked uh so we have a patreon it's uh patreon.com slash infinite quest uh what we're gonna do here is we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do the traditional uh patreon song which is where we think uh no we don't we thank our new patrons for the week um and we put your name into a fun song and so if you want to have your name in a fun and questionably good song a a song of questionable quality every week uh you can do that by signing up at patreon.com slash infinite quest hey katie the perfect is the enemy of the good okay that's true just saying also uh we have a number of episodes that we record and then afterwards, we're like, wait, we were kind of just like riffing the whole time yeah, on like Who Framed Roger Rabbit goofs, or something. Goofs only. Like, that's not a real episode. But we still have them. And so we've decided we're going to start posting episodes secret on- Secret Lost Episodes. Secret Lost Episodes on the Patreon, which are uh, all the episodes we've recorded so far that we thought were just too much of us riffing and not enough substance. <laughs> um, but also, we're going to start recording um, every once in a while, like bonus episodes uh, of- us just hanging out doing whatever probably talking adhd maybe playing some music i don't know um but those will start uh, getting posted on the patreon starting uh now well starting last week because we put uh the musical our secret musical episode um, up on the patreon so if you want to check it out go over there and join and then you can listen to 
what is quite possibly the worst episode we've ever done. <laughs> I loved it. I've listened to it like three times. Time. It yeah. makes me so happy. It's a very fun time. I it's like fine. And much. the I like I really like the beginning where we it sounded it really sounded like we were gonna do something. It really did. That was good, yeah. Um but okay, hey, here's this week's song. Here we go. Ready? Yeah. Oh wait, I forgot to say the other thing. Um we finally updated our uh tour schedule for uh uh uh, the the summer so um if you want to see us live in a place um and you know high five us give us fruit snacks whatever you might want to do um go to uh com. i forgot the name of the website uh infinitequestpodcast oh my god infinitequestpodcast.com and click on tour um we've got all the information we're going to be going to about like one convention a month so we got time to come home quarantine keep everybody safe all that good stuff um but yeah so you can go check it out but anyway here's the song that i keep saying we're gonna do and then we don't wait that's not how it goes does not like that hey morgan thank you for being a patron of our patreon we thank you morgan eric is riffing on the harmonica and it's making me really nervous i'm sorry katie i guess i'll take the vocal track so i don't have to blow into this year mouth harp that's what they're called, by the way. Thank you, Jennifer, for being a buckaroo body. You know your patronage is what allows us to work and sit in this room and make content either here on Tic Tac or soon YouTube. I just said Tic Tac because my breath smells. Nobody and I noticed. Smell <laughs> now they did. Also, hey, thank you, Becca. We really appreciate you being here. You didn't opt for the one-time payment, so we'll see you once a month for a year. Hey, thank you, Becca and Jennifer and Morgan, our three new patrons this week. But if we don't end the song with a traditional Patreon joke, that would be really weak. So thank you. Sarah huff 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 Sarah huff 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 And thank you Morgan and Jennifer and Becca And everybody on our Patreon There's 237 of you who have got it going on Thank you all Thank you to all our patrons uh, for giving us the resources uh, we need. <laughs> <laughs> I went to music school. You did. You have an actual, you went to conservatory. I'm going to call Jacob Collier and tell him that you did that.
That's what I'm going to do. Really cool. Prepared to get 37 beautiful harmonies true. in response. Jacob Collier's going to turn it into a masterpiece. He's going to be in D half flat. <laughs> hey, everybody. From all of us here at Infinite Quest, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Remember to eat a snack. Remember to drink some water. Remember to take your meds. Remember to be kind to yourself. Remember to be kind to others. And remember that we love you. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> Careful.